Thank you for listening to the Rivers Church podcast with Pastor Andre and the Rivers team. Be sure to subscribe for a weekly dose of encouragement and inspiration to help your daily life. We pray that this message will help in whatever season of life you might be in. You know, in January 1945, before the war was even over, the city of Warsaw in Poland lay devastated in absolute ruins. It was an appalling sight, and you can see it documented on many, many photographs if you go online. And they say it was literally wiped off the face of the earth. And uh, before this uh, devastation, it was home to over one million people. And, uh, but at the beginning of 1945, they estimated the damage of the city in, in, in general to be 84%. 84% of the city was gone. It was, it was destroyed. 90% of the industrial infrastructure, obviously where they were manufacturing, that had been bombed away. And uh, 72% of the residential buildings, that's like two-thirds, had been completely wiped off the face of the earth. Only a few thousand people lived among the ruins. And the communists took over Poland and they said this, we're going to leave it as it is. It can be a, a, a war memorial for future generations. Well, if you know history, you'll know that the city of Poland has, uh, sorry, the city of Warsaw has been rebuilt, and uh, some say it might even be the best city in Poland. If it was rebuilt and they said it couldn't be rebuilt, why was that? Well, there were two important factors. The first one is extremely important, and that is what we call the human factor. People started trickling back in, displaced people and ex-residents started coming back in January 1945. And they trickled into the city, and here's the thing, without being told or being helped, they started rebuilding the city of Warsaw. And uh, they began to restore it. And then the second factor was that uh, Stalin, he was about to attend the Yalta conference and needed a capital and didn't have one, so he put together a plan and started to give some money towards the rebuilding, and that helped. But the primary reason was the people decided to come back, face the ruins, not be put off, and rebuild Warsaw. And as I said today, some people believe, if you look at the city of Warsaw, they believe it is the capital and it is the best city in Poland. It's amazing what can happen when people care enough, when people have a will, and they have the faith to believe that something can be rebuilt. So I want to speak to you today in this first part about rebuilding our lives, rebuilding our lives, which encompasses everything, our church, our families, our homes, our spiritual lives, and our businesses. And God wants us to rebuild. You know, the Bible doesn't talk specifically about things like social media, does it? It doesn't talk specifically about COVID-19. But the principles in the Bible teach us what to do when we face things that are challenging. And as we read the Bible, we see that there are these incidences in the Old Testament, and particularly one in particular, where the children of Israel were taken captive to Babylon. And uh, the city of Jerusalem was destroyed. The people of Israel were taken captive for 70 years. You think we've been in lockdown long? Imagine being in lockdown in Babylon for 70 years. And then when they came back, they began to restore. The prophets Haggai and Zechariah prophesied about it. Haggai told the people to get going. They were starting to build their own houses, but he said, no, the temple is lying in ruins. You need to build that. And he points to the promise of their prosperity if they do. 
And then Ezra rebuilds the temple. He calls the people, and we'll talk about it in a moment. And Nehemiah builds the city. How many know God doesn't just want us to rebuild the church? He wants us to rebuild everything, the city, the businesses. And we as Christians have got a part to play, but we mustn't build like the world, shortcuts, and through corruption, we build with the plumb line of God on the cornerstone of Jesus Christ. And so there was devastation during that time, devastation of the economy, devastation of families and homes. People were taken captive. They came back discouraged. And uh, all they had heard about of this great Jerusalem and of the inheritance and the heritage, they came back to almost nothing and they had to start again. And just like Warsaw, their lives were devastated and they were in debt. Nehemiah chapter 5 says they, they, mortgage, they mortgaged their homes and their fields. How many people have drawn down on their bonds, had to give up their houses? We're in almost an identical situation to what they were, and we've got to rebuild the temple, and we've got to rebuild the city. Can you say amen? And so we're going to look at what they did, and I've decided today six things that it will take to rebuild our lives and rebuild our church. Are you ready? Number one, the first thing that it will take, and we learn this from reading Ezra and Nehemiah, and I'll quote several passages, is it will take faith and a heart for God and people if we're going to rebuild. You see, this is not just something you do. You've got to have a heart for God and people, and you've got to believe it's possible. When Ezra came back to rebuild the temple, he had a heart for God, a heart for the will of God, and a heart for the Word of God. And that's why he wanted to rebuild. They had had no services, no temple sacrifices, and the temple had been destroyed. And he had a heart for that. He, he, he called the people together, and he got them involved, and then he read the Word to them and restored their value system. But it all started with his heart for God, and then his heart for people. Do you have a heart for God today? Do you have a heart for the people around you, not just those in your church, those who need Jesus, who don't have the plumb line of the word in their lives? And then King Cyrus joins Ezra, gives him the go-ahead, and he kicks off the building. It's then delayed, but he goes ahead eventually. King Cyrus brings back all the artifacts. Over 5,000 articles had been stolen from the temple during that time, and they were in storage. He brings them all out, these valuable items, and Cyrus helps Ezra restore the temple. God wants us to restore the church and bring back what's been lost and get back to the worship and the sacrifices of praise. You know, the word for hand is yad in the Hebrew, and it doesn't just mean hand, it means open hand. And when you worship God, two things happen. You open your hand, your yad, to God in worship, but guess what happens as you worship? God fills your hand, your yad, your right hand, fills it with blessing. And we need to restore worship to make God great, but also so that he might bless us again, because that's how he works. And uh, Nehemiah comes along, and he rebuilds the city of Jerusalem. And the interesting thing is you read Nehemiah, is he firstly asks about the people. It says he inquired about them to find out how they were. And then he asked about the city and found it was broken down and in ruins, and he decided to rebuild. So the temple's rebuilt, the city's rebuilt, but it all starts with a heart for God and a heart for people. In fact, Nehemiah chapter 2, let me read it to you. He says, then I said to them, this is the people of Jerusalem, 
You see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been burned with fire. Here's the phrase, come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, that we will no longer be in disgrace. But I love this. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. They replied, and I trust this will be your response today, let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. You know, if you're watching me online at home, we need to, together with those in person, start rebuilding. We need to catch the vision for rebuilding the church, rebuilding our lives, our families, rebuilding our businesses, rebuilding South Africa. It needs it, uh, despite COVID. And if we do it together, and like Nehemiah, we get behind inspired leadership we can rebuild and we can see God do something wonderful in this nation and in this church. How many of you remember in 2019 when we watched on the news the Notre Dame Cathedral burning in Paris? It's a shocker. I've been there many times, walked through that cathedral, and uh, we, we love the city of Paris. It's just got a lovely atmosphere about it. The buildings are beautiful. But it was shock as we watched that building, uh, you know, burning. It took 200 years to build, started in the 12th century. And uh, it will take five to seven years minimum for it to be rebuilt. It's a mammoth task to rebuild that church building. But I loved what I read about it. The chief architect who's responsible for the rebuilding of this church building, his name is Philippe Villeneuve. He said that the rebuild is for him. Listen to this. He's a professional. It's a duty and a mission. Then he said this. My job is that every morning I wake up to save the cathedral. How many of you know this guy's not an architect just getting paid? He's carrying something in his heart. In fact, he's carrying it so much. And we don't have time to quote all this, but I'll read it to you. He says, we'll be going the, we'll be, We'll be using the exact same materials as they did during the Middle Ages and in the 19th century. We went to look in quarries to see if the stones we had were the correct density. And for the wood, it was oak. It shall be oak. The rebuilding techniques are absolutely identical. You see, they don't just want to get it back up again so they can get tourist money. He's got a heart for this thing to be exactly the, have you got a heart that it should be exactly as God says this church should be, that we will worship, that we will have packed out services where, the, where we will lift the roof and God will work mightily in the meetings, where we'll be reaching and seeing hands go up every week, every week, people responding, being baptized. We'll have to, we'll have, to have the baptisms uh, every single service, week after week. That's, we want to see restoration. We want to rebuild. We do it together. But you've got to have a heart for God and for people. You know, last year our vision was keeping hope alive. Think about this. It was something we passively or on the inside believed. Keep hope alive. But we didn't actively do anything. Rebuilding is doing. It means we've now got to step out, roll up our sleeves, and actively be involved, not just believe in rebuilding, We've got to do it. Number two, the second thing today that it will take, it will take time and hard work to rebuild our lives. If you've been devastated in business, it will take time and hard work. But believe for it because it's God's best. The Bible is full of rebuilding and God points to rebuilding and restoration as his best. You know, when the exiles came back from Babylon in 457 B.C., 
they had experienced a lot of sorrow and hardship and loss. What they'd heard about the temple and the city of Jerusalem was nothing like the reports they'd heard. It had been devastated and there was almost nothing left. And even with good leadership, it took 13 years before the temple was rebuilt. Ezra had to motivate them. There were people who interfered. And it took time and it took hard work. Everyone had to get involved. When Nehemiah called the people to rebuild the city, everyone was involved. And we don't have time to study the whole book. We'll look at it over this month in pieces. But everybody was involved in rebuilding the wall because it affected their business. Do you know that when you place your, when you take the responsibility to rebuild, God blesses your life and you reap the benefits of it. And uh, Ezra here uh, starts the rebuilding. And then here's the wonderful thing. When they rebuilt, listen to this, it was rebuilt. The temple was rebuilt in four years and three months. Did you know that that is two years and three months less than it took Solomon to build it the first time? Rebuilding can go quicker if we believe God and we put in the hard work, but it will take time. But God is on the side of the rebuilder and he wants to bless us. And uh, in Nehemiah, I love what it says here in chapter four and verse six concerning the city. It says, so we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height for the people worked with all their heart. They didn't just work, they put their hearts into it. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out and there's so much rubble or rubbish, if you like, that we cannot rebuild the wall. There was a long road ahead. It took time, but they stuck to it. And then I love what it says in Nehemiah chapter six. So on October the 2nd, the wall was finished just 52 days after we had begun. You know what God had done? He had accelerated the hard work and given them restoration. I'm believing for your marriage, your family, this church, for everything to be accelerated into recovery as we rebuild. We need a heart for God and a heart for people, but we need to recognize it's going to take a lot of hard work and it's going to take a bit of time. But if you, if you see your business is taking a long time and you might even have setbacks, don't be discouraged. God will do it. And if you could do it for them, these principles apply to us. You know, it took Michelangelo ten, uh, sorry, four years to paint the roof of the Sistine Chapel. You all know the Sistine Chapel. Four years to paint the whole of that roof. But guess what? When they had to restore it, it took 10 years. Restoration and rebuilding always takes longer than the original. In the case of Solomon's temple, it took less. But we've got to be patient because God will let us rebuild and will restore. Number three, the third thing it will take in order for us to rebuild our lives. Are you receiving something this morning? There's a lot of clearing away before rebuilding. We've got to recognize that there's clearing away before we can rebuild. They had to clear away rubble. There was a lot of rubble and the strength of the laborers gave out. And here's the principle, church. There's a lot of rubble and rubbish that will go with us if we're not careful from COVID. Fear, a sense of waiting, a sense of who knows, or a sense of you'll never be able to do this. You know, just accept the fact that it's over. No, we can rebuild no matter what age we are. I've seen people start again in their 60s 
when it's not the ideal time to rebuild. I've seen pastors start new churches in their 60s when people tell them you should be retiring. Rebuilding is a case of moving forward and putting aside the hurts and the rubble, if you like, of the past. And the enemy will keep crowding our rebuilding efforts with fear. With the losses, you, yes, but why did my husband die? But why did my dad die? And you know, we all prayed, you've got to remove the rubble. That's what they had to do to rebuild the temple and to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And you know, the Bible says this, there was a lot of rubble and the stones were burnt by fire. Here's the interesting thing about burnt stones. Some of you will remember me talking on this many years ago. When you try and take a burnt stone and build it into a wall with cement, do you know what happens? The cement can't stick to it, so the stone comes out. If you've got burnt things in your life that are not removed, you'll never be able to build your life strong or build the church strong. People who've been burned... People who've been burnt in other churches by pastors who took their money or did things to them, abused them or whatever, they'll come to Rivers Church, but they'll never be built in. They, they, they kind of like, got to watch people like you, Pastor Andre, because they carry the burn. And if you carry burn in your family, in your business, in your spiritual life, in church, we will never be able to rebuild. We've got to believe that we've got to get the rubble out the way. Can you say Amen. Micah chapter 3 and verse 12, they were told that this would happen. Jerusalem will become a heap of rubble. The temple hill, a mound overgrown with thickets. The Lord prophesied, hey, this is going to happen. Be ready for it, but you can do better. And then they deal with it. And uh, the enemy even recognizes that, and he will keep reminding you, yes, but there's some people who aren't vaccinated. And you know, there could be a fifth wave. And there could even be a six. Who knows if there'll be a seventh. So I wouldn't go back to church if I were you. We're going to start selling pies in the foyer because I see the restaurants are packed with people eating, drinking, laughing. No masks on and we don't sell pies in the foyer. No, we want to feed you. We want you to connect. If you can sit on the other side of the table with your mask on, have a bite of the pie, put it back on. We will rebuild and we will not let the rubble destroy us. Can you say amen? Yeah, the enemy will remind you of the rubble. Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse 2 and verse 10. This is what Sanballat the Horonite said. There's always a Horonite that is speaking. Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are? Meanwhile, the people in Judah said the strength of the laborers is giving out because there's so much rubble and we cannot rebuild the wall. No, we will not allow that to put us off. You know, you've all seen devastation in your life, World War II, Notre Dame on fire. How many of you remember the World Trade Center? Do you know that was, that was burning? Did you, I don't know if you can remember, it was burning for 99 days. When I read it, I was like, I've forgotten that. 99 days. And it took one full year to clear the site, an entire year before they could rebuild. There's some things we're going to have to do before we rebuild. And if we're ready for it, we're like, okay, we knew this would happen. We knew it would take time. But we keep our hearts after God and after people. And uh, we realize that it will take time and hard work. And it's taken 20 years for them to rebuild, and they're still busy. And I was reading $20 billion. That's 300 billion rand. Hectic. 
And, uh, and they're still rebuilding. And here's what they say, we will keep rebuilding because we want to inspire people to come back and live in the city of New York again, not to keep the memory of the rubble in the past. If you actually go and look at it today, it's beautiful. And uh, it has been beautifully restored. Larry Silverstein, interesting story, he uh, heads up the project. He's 90 years old. He's heading up the project of rebuilding. Now, here's the thing. He used to have breakfast every day on the 94th floor of one of the towers. On that day that the towers were knocked down by the airplanes, his wife said to him, I just want to remind you, Larry, you've got an appointment with the dermatologist. He goes to the dermatologist. While he's at the dermatologist, the towers come down. But Larry is not put off by that. He's not traumatized by it. He doesn't let the rubble get to him. He works now for 20 years at his age, rebuilding that place. And this is what he said. He says here, uh, after 9-11, there was such a great debate over what should be built at the World Trade Center. It was, and, and he talks about the, the, the debate, it was quintessential New York, passionate, loud, and fractious. But one thing was clear, the new World Trade Center needed to be much more than what it was before. They're not going to live thinking about the memory of it. Oh, if only, why did it happen? They want people to come live back there. And he at 90 is determined to spearhead, even though he could have been killed in it. Why? Because he's not letting the rubble keep him back. Number four, the fourth thing about rebuilding. What will it take? It'll take this, resisting the enemies and fear that try to hinder us continually. I don't know if you realize that the devil hates rebuilding. He likes marriages broken down. He don't like, doesn't like them restored. He likes businesses broken down. He doesn't like them restored. He likes churches broken down. He doesn't like them restored. The devil would love to see Rivers Church damaged, destroyed through rumor or sin so that they can come build some five-star hotel here and people can talk about how, do you remember when that church was here? We will not let that happen. We will rebuild and we will plant campuses and we will keep expanding. Ezra had enemies and so did Nehemiah as they built both the temple and the city. They wrote letters against Ezra, judging his motives and held up the work for many years. And then when, when, when they prayed, God moved the hearts of the kings to allow the rebuilding to take place. And Ezra didn't allow himself to be put off. He pressed on. In Ezra, chapter 4 and verse 4, it says, Then the people, peoples around them set out to discourage the people of Judah and make them afraid to go on building. Fear again. Fear is our biggest enemy. They bribed officials to work against them and frustrate their plans during the entire reign of Cyrus, king of Persia, and down to the reign of Darius, king of Persia. But you know what? Haggai prophesied. Come on, let's get back to it. And eventually Darius and Artaxerxes both backed the building of the temple. And when we have enemies, we must just press on and press through. Nehemiah had enemies. And uh, uh, I spoke about them earlier. And I mentioned Sanballat. I want to read you in, in Nehemiah chapter 2. Soon after he got the vision, enemies came. But when Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem the Arab heard of our plan, they scoffed contemptuously. What are you doing? Are you rebelling against the king, they asked? I replied, the God of heaven will help us 
succeed. How many of you can say amen to that? That's a phrase we need to hold on to. We, his servants, will start rebuilding this wall. But here it goes on. Nehemiah chapter 4, when Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews, and in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burnt as they are? They knew you couldn't build with burnt stones. Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, what they are building, even if a fox climbed up on it, it would break down their wall of stones. I don't know if you realize, but we've got enemies. And the enemies will come here. And they'll come here. And they'll tell you, don't bother. Call it a day. Just admit it. You know, you know, you remember the good days, but you know, no. We will get back spiritually. I want to say to you, if your spiritual life has been broken down, your walls of defense, and you've allowed, the Bible says a person without self-control is like a city with the walls broken down. If you've allowed sin in, and you've done things that are terrible during lockdown that you wish never happened, and you think, well, how can I ever get back? You can rebuild by the grace of God with the plumb line of His Word. And you can get back to better than before. Don't listen to the voice of the enemy. Because the voice of the enemy will come. And notice it wasn't just Sanballat. It was Tobiah the Ammonite and Gershom the Arab. It singles them out specifically because they talk nonsense. And the enemy will talk nonsense and bring fear into our lives. You've got to go on and not be put off. Probably one of my most favorite verses in the Bible is Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse 6. It says, so we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height. Remember I read this earlier? For the people worked with all their heart. That's the declaration, but then Nehemiah encourages them. Don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. Now watch this. And fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. We don't fight people, but we fight for what we can see that God can do because he's great and awesome. How many of you believe that today? He's great and awesome. If you're watching at home today or for wherever you're watching from, God wants to restore your home, your family, your marriage, your business, your spiritual life, and he wants to restore the church worldwide. And we need to play our part, but we've got to resist the enemy and we've got to clear away the rubble. Two more points. Are you ready? You know what it'll take? It'll take commitment and giving to rebuild giving of ourselves and volunteering, but also giving of finance. I don't want to labor the point because this church has been incredibly faithful in its giving, but we need to escalate the giving if we want to push back the enemy. And I'm trusting God for another building for Durban North. I'm trusting God for, another, uh, for a new building or uh, you know, for a building for Centurion. We're trusting God for refurbishing. We've got, they gave us a quote to fix our gutters on this building, just the gutters on this building. Six years after building it, one million rand. A million rand. You can buy a nice luxury car for that. It's just gutters that are peeling. We need another roof on the building in uh, Kailami. Why? Because when it rains, it drips here and there. We don't want to put out pots. No, we want to change the whole roof. Now you say, well, why did you buy the building? We couldn't get that building for the money that we paid for it. If you try to build that building today or when we bought it, it would take more than twice the amount. So we took it with the roof knowing but during COVID, we didn't have money to replace it. We fixed a small section of it. Now we want to replace the roof. It takes a corporate. We work as five campuses together. That's what makes Rivers Church so strong. 
We're not five independent people doing our own thing. It's the strength, but it takes giving. When they rebuilt the temple, the people came back with Ezra. 50,000 people came back with Ezra, and they were so committed that they gave of themselves without being asked. Isn't that good? That's what we need to be like. And uh, it says in Ezra 2, when they arrived at the house of the Lord in Jerusalem, some of the heads of families gave free will offerings towards the rebuilding of the house of God on its site. According to their ability, they gave to the treasury for this work 61,000 darics of gold. You all know how much that is, eh? <laughs> I had to go and look it up and then try and bring it into day's money. 61,000 darics. You know what a darik is? Little coin made of gold. Uh, 450 million rand equivalent today. They meant business. And then it goes on to say here, 5,000 miners of silver. How many know the parable of the miners? The parable of the talents? Well, actually, if you calculate it, 50 miners equals a talent. That's why the Bible in Luke and in Matthew are different. It's not a, it's not a contradiction. Or a, it's, it's 50, 50 miners equals a talent. But the amount of uh, miners they gave you of silver was equivalent to 28 million rand. And so generosity, in chapter 3 it says, then they gave the money to the masons and the carpenters and gave food and drink and olive oil to the people of Sidon and Tyre so that they would bring cedar logs by sea from Lebanon. This is not just, oh, do we have to give? Uh, okay, this is, let's do it. Let's show them what we can do as the church. Let's go and feed the people again. The Rivers Foundation fed 77,000. Let's show them how we're going to play our part in rebuilding South Africa. It'll take our giving. And I'm not trying to wring money out of you or squeeze you today. I'm showing you what they did, and I recognize we have to do it too. In the book of Nehemiah, under Nehemiah, the people also rallied together and rebuilt the city. In Nehemiah chapter 10, they make a commitment, and they say, moreover, we will bring to the storerooms of the house of our God, to the priests, the first of our ground meal, our grain offerings, of the fruit of our trees and of our new wine and olive oil. In other words, everything we will get, we will bring some to God. And we will bring a tithe of our crops to the Levites. For it is the Levites who collect tithes in all the towns where we work. So they're saying that the Levites serve the Lord. They're the staff, if you like. We're going to bring our tithes so that they can remain strong. And we can rebuild. But watch this. This is so important. And many pastors don't see this. Some I get blind to this. I love the next verse. It says this, if I can find my place. The people of Israel, including the Levites, that's like the full-time staff and pastors, are to bring their contributions of grain, new wine, and olive oil to the storeroom. So we all give together. All of us, you'll see us giving services because we support the house of God. And then they make a declaration. I love this. We, de we have this declaration in our partner's class. We will not neglect the house of our God. You, I don't know if you know, but the rebuilding of the World Trade Center complex is not government money. It comes from donations from the public, and then a little bit comes from government. In fact, school children collect pennies at school and bring it and throw it in the box. One, one man, one man, this is quite incredible, um, sorry, no, the, the, the largest corporate that gave money, 375 million rand. One person gave that towards the rebuilding and because uh, it's going to take 4.5 billion rand. Notre Dame Cathedral, exactly the same. Pub, the public gave donations 
and it's not coming from government, it's coming from the people they want to rebuild. It's going to take millions of euros. One art dealer, one individual gave 5.1 billion rand. Listen to me, 5.1 billion rand. Now, I don't know if you know how much a billion, 5.1 billion rand is. The, mall, the whole mall of Africa was 3.5 billion. You can build a whole, you can build a whole mall. One man gave that. Why? He's got a heart for the church. And he recognized my giving is going to restore it. Rebuilding is costly, and we need to be part of that rebuilding. Now, if you're regular at Rivers, you'll know that we hadn't taken the offering yet during the service. We hadn't forgotten. <laughs> Something that important is like prayer at the beginning. You can't forget. We don't go into the service and say, I forgot to pray. So we're going to receive the offering right now. And those whose hearts move them, let's give. I know it's only payday on Tuesday, but I noticed the restaurants were full yesterday. So evidently, there is still some spare. Let's give our tithes. Let's give our regular offerings. And church, I'm not squeezing you for money today. Here's the thing. Let's commit that this year we will be part of the rebuilding with our presence and our volunteering. That's our giving, but also with our finances. Let's take a moment to give. You can see the ways to give on the screen. And I'm going to do it on my phone as I always do. I love it now that I don't have a mask on. It tells you on the phone, would you like to try again? Because it doesn't recognize your face. Don't you love SnapScan, church? If you don't have SnapScan, use SnapScan because it's incredible. You just type the amount in, then it goes to SnapScan. It asks you what, you know, what categories it tithes or it's offerings or whatever it is. And then you press pay and you smile. It knows me. And then your banking app will tell you, it's paid. Because I've got three credit cards. One my wife has, one my PA has, and one I have. So I get three notifications telling me that money is gone. Do you get that? Thank you for your giving. Thank you for your faithfulness. It's going to take giving and commitment to rebuild. Isn't that true? And it's just one of those practical things we do in church. No arm twisting, no manipulation, no false promises, no promises of Mercedes Benzes and and gold pouring into your house and your bond being canceled mysteriously. No, we don't believe in that weird stuff. We just believe in good stewardship and faithfulness. And every principle that we teach comes from the Word of God. We're not trying to build skew. We're not trying to make this a bit skew so that we can get our way. We build according to the plumb line. And here you can see the example in the Bible. Are you ready to carry on? Number six, as we move to a close, what will it take for us to rebuild our lives? We must believe God will give us success. Do you believe that God will give us success? I'm talking about your marriage. I'm talking about your spiritual life. I'm talking about your business. Things may have changed, but God can give you fresh ideas. You must believe in success. Success is not a dirty word preached by prosperity churches. Success is what God wants to give us as we fulfill His word and as we put our hearts into it, as we have a heart for God and for people, as we commit to hard work, we believe for success. And here they built and they repaired And I love what it says in the book of Ezra. I'm going to read just a few verses. We're nearly done. Ezra 9 and verse 9. Ezra says this to the Lord as he prays. Though we are slaves, our God has not forsaken us in our bondage. 
Amen? He has shown us kindness in the sight of the kings of Persia. Now, I love this phrase because it speaks about a new beginning and a new season. He has granted us new life to rebuild the house of our God and repair its ruins. And he has given us a wall of protection in Judah and Jerusalem. Can you see they had faith to believe that they could succeed and that God was on their side? And that it was, it was new life, a new beginning, a new season? We need to believe for that. Then Nehemiah was sure of success. He knew God wanted to give them success. He says in chapter 2 and verse 20, the God of heaven will help us succeed. But then he mentions our part. We, his servants, will start rebuilding. As you do your part, God will do his part. And then in Nehemiah chapter 6, so on October the 2nd, the wall was finished just 52 days after we had begun. There was ruins, there was rubble, but they rebuilt and God gave success. Do you believe for success? You need to expect success. Uh, this is what people tell me. Uh, God is not looking for success. He's just looking for faithfulness. Here's the key. If you're faithful, you get success. If you're faithful in your marriage, you will see success even if you have difficulties. We're going to be celebrating 49 years on February the 14th. We were in a restaurant last night, and we were talking about marriage. The, the manager of the restaurant was chatting to me, and he talked about marriages break up in, he was mentioning Morningside. He says, people just give up on marriages. And he said, well, I come from, I'm not used to that. We've grown up commitment. And so I said to him, how long do you think we're married? And he said, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to embarrass you or insult you. Uh, 40 years? No, higher than that. He was like, what? 45? Could it be? No, higher than that. Then he went over the top and he said 50. <laughs> now, we didn't get married when we were 10. But here's the thing. Do you, do you think that during lockdown, we looked at each other and said, oh, babe, I love you. Yeah, I love you too. Come, let's hold hands and worship together. Oh, amen, amen. We got sick of seeing each other in the same house, in the same kitchen, in the same room, doing the same stuff over and over. I think she got more irritable than me. Do you think I was more irritable? Than, we, we were ir no, Do you know what? You just carry on faithfully. And then you rebuild. And guess what? You come out of that negativity. Some husbands and wives are looking at each other. I'll just look at the roof. Just, you know, look at each other right now and at home. Look at each other and say, we can rebuild and God will give us success. It's a wonderful thing, but you've got to roll up your sleeves in your marriage, in your business, in your life, your spiritual life. Get back in the word and we can rebuild our lives you know, this, this verse struck me in Ecclesiastes, and it might seem random this morning, but it says this, fools fold their idle hands, leading them to ruin. Nothing will happen if we don't play a part. It'll take a whole lot of things today, more than six, but we can see success if we believe God. You know, I mentioned earlier World War II, and I'll wrap up in a moment. Well, after World War II, there was complete devastation across the entire world. It, it was quite incredible, actually. Uh, rebuilding almost seemed impossible if you looked at the cities. I mean, when I watch those movies, I'm like, I'm quite staggered to see the devastation. And they say between 60 and 80 million people died. That is, you think of COVID, I mean, 6 million people across the world, I think it is, but 60 to 80 million people. How do you pick up after that? How do you pick up after, say, 4% of the world's population was actually wiped out. But then they developed what's called the Marshall Plan. And they began to rebuild after unprecedented damage, families ripped apart, 
Europe and Asia were in complete ruins. Millions were displaced. And they say in Germany, 70% of the housing had been destroyed. There was the, the three quarters of the places to live were gone. But, um, and in the Soviet Union, I read this, this is shocking, 17,000 towns were in ruins and 70,000 villages had been wiped away. They were no longer there. I mean, this is, this is, this is mind-boggling. And millions were starving. People were living on less than 1,000 calories a day. And in Holland, they were eating tulip bulbs. How many of you know we've had it not too bad? And now they came out of this thing. Britain was bankrupt. Paris had been stripped by the Germans. And uh, Asia and Japan were in ruins. But just after 10 years, Germany became a financial power in the world and had been rebuilt. 10 years! And Asia and Sing Japan and Singapore, if you go to Singapore, they became economic giants in the world after being decimated islands. What can God do if we believe? And if we get busy, good leadership, vision, and faith, and hard work can see our recovery. And you know what? Before we do anything else, the church needs to be rebuilt because the world needs the church. Now, I'm going to pray with you in a moment, but I have to tell you the story. Some years ago, many years ago, in fact, at the beginning of the 1900s, there was a tornado that swept across the coast of England, and there was a church perched on the cliff there, was completely destroyed by this tornado. And the congregation was so poor that they couldn't rebuild the church. So after a couple of months and, and, uh, of, of it just lying in ruins, and, and, and a representative from the admiralty, from the navy, came to visit, and he sat down with the pastor, and he said, when are you guys going to rebuild, you know? And, and he said, well, we can't. We don't have the money. We, we, you know, there's no chance of rebuilding. And I want to read to you what he said to this pastor, because this is what God is saying to us today before we pray. He said, if you do not rebuild the church, we will. That spire is on all our charts and maps. It is the landmark by which the ships of the seven seas steer their course. The church is the landmark by which people steer their lives by the word of God. We have to rebuild it so that there can be a place where they can come and find the plumb line and direct their lives, their families, and their businesses. And we can be the head and not the tail. We can be rebuilt and not in ruins in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message.